you're passionate about transforming retail operations and improving performance, plus you're accountable for key change projects and programs in your company, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. Hi there, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. I'm Oliver Banks, your host and your guide to delivering successful transformation projects and programs. And this one is episode 93. Now, I'm sure you've heard of the term silos, or to be more specific, organizational silos. And silos have a pretty bad name, a pretty bad reputation. Almost everyone says that they are bad. But have you actually given a thought as to why they are bad? Or even if they are bad? Because what if silos are actually a good thing? What if we're aiming for this siloless world, which is actually a dysfunctional future or a dystopia? So today we're going to explore this in more detail. Show notes, by the way, are over at obandco.uk slash 93. So back in 2005, McKinsey issued a study that said 80% of senior leaders said that effective coordination across product, functional and geographic lines was crucial for growth. Now, of course, a lot has changed since 2005, but actually... I don't think that statistic would be radically different, right? Coordination, collaboration, cross-functional working is still deemed as key for a successful business. From that same 2005 study, only 25% of respondents then said that their organisation, their company, is effective at sharing knowledge across these different boundaries. So 75% recognise that they're not so effective. And you have to ask yourself, has that number again changed in the last 15 years? What do you think? Do you reckon it's changed? I'd bet it's broadly the same number. So the majority of organisations feel that they could do a better job at working across these different boundaries. And this barrier to working effectively often gets termed as a silo, right? But what do we really mean by silo? Back in 2015, Previous guest of the Retail Transformation Show, Mr. Steve Dennis, put it really nicely and said, silos belong on farms. So let's start there. What is a farming silo? Well, it's generally a big store for grain and other bulk materials. It helps to keep the grain stored, keep it separated, keep it contained, give order and structure to the farmer's materials that they have harvested and will be their product. It adds security and protection against the outside environment and also against hungry animals. But silos also help with planning, capacity, specialisation and process efficiency as well. A silo helps a farmer to be more organised and to hold more grain from when they harvest it to when they need it or when they need to sell it. So farmers like silos. But another form of silo is a missile silo as well. What does this do? Well, this is a distributed miniature base for perhaps offensive or defensive actions, but it gives protection. It gives seclusion and secrecy, and ultimately it's there for a security perspective. So 
What's an organizational silo then? Well, really what we're meaning are there are these invisible, strong walls between departments. It's where the feeling of loyalty is stronger towards a particular individual or a particular team or department or division compared to the wider company. So you feel more affiliated to one part of the company than the rest of the company. So why does everyone hate silos then? Well, really, it's about adding resistance to working effectively together. If you think about that point about loyalty, employees end up being more insular and end up distrusting people outside of that immediate loyalty. So outside of the team or the individual. And it makes it increasingly difficult for different groups to work together. And that can result in tunnel vision, stopping customer focus, real customer focus. You can still say it, of course, but you may not mean it. It stops the organization from having a bigger picture view. And ultimately, it encourages conflict within the organization, which means that you're spending time and energy battling yourself rather than battling the external marketplace. So what does it look like? I'm sure you can think of examples where you've seen siloed behavior, perhaps in your company or in previous companies. And there are a number of different things it could look like, you know, physically look like. It could look like a lack of communication, not engaging, not sharing information across different teams at certain points. It could look like false collaboration. So not truthfully, honestly going into different meetings, different workshops, different working groups, task forces, whatever that looks like with the best intentions at heart. It could look like lying. It could look like deceit. It could look like other forms of egregious or extreme behavior. Ultimately, it's about wasting time and money battling internal conflicts, as I just mentioned, whether that's bureaucracy, administration, red tape, or actually intentionally undermining each other within the organization. You're focused more internally than you are externally. And this sort of behavior could be caused by a number of different things. It could be a lack of clarity on the overall direction of the company or the goals. It could be excessive internal competition. It could be a lack of communication or personal conflict between two different individuals, two different leaders. Maybe it's caused by a lot of competition for resources, whether that's budget or people. It could be because of the company setup in as much as it is rewarding the wrong behaviors. And ultimately, it's the thing that the leadership is allowing to happen. Intentionally or unintentionally, it is allowing it to happen. So silos sound pretty bad, right? So maybe we are right to think of them as bad and we do want to aim for a siloless world after all. But it keeps coming back to me on farms, they are good. A missile silo, whether you agree with it or not, has a purpose. It has a use. Confused? Hmm, maybe. Let's explore it a little more. Let's imagine a world where there are no silos in your organization. There's no restrictive organizational structure. Maybe it's a completely flat structure with managers only really identified to enable specific legal or HR processes it would probably feel a lot like a startup would. Everyone being able to do everything. A chaotic but highly energized working environment with lack of clarity of who owns what. 
and as such, slower decision-making because no one really has the authority to make a decision, especially a big decision. You've got everyone working on multiple things, probably disconnected things as well. And there's quite an extreme risk of burnout through overload and overwhelm. There's almost certainly to be a duplication of effort where different people from around this flat organization are working on different problems because that's what they feel is the right thing to do. And actually, your workforce will probably begin to naturally divide into segments or factions. And there'd probably be some internal conflict between those factions, whether that's visible conflict or whether it's an internal conflict. Equally, when a hard or tricky challenge comes up, it's probably going to want to make people run for the hills and avoid that particular pinch point or pain point. I mean, it's going to be very difficult to plan resources or workload or effort, and therefore hard to plan and forecast what the results are going to be as well. There's very little time to practice or perfect what an individual does because they're moving across so many different areas, you can't specialise in everything, right? So everyone ends up as a bit more of a generalist. And there's a risk, it could turn into a bit of a firefighting organisation, so the whack-a-mole, quickly, run around, fix the problems. And as I mentioned, as people start to self-segment into different groups, shall we call them? Not structured groups, but people hang out with people that are like them. So your teams are formed of like-minded experiences and outlooks, but probably with the same experience, probably with less diversity, with less integration and fewer new ideas. And with everyone working across multiple functions across the organisation, and inspired by not having a missile silo, you'd end up with everyone seeing everything, including the external world. So there'd be very little chance of keeping trade secrets or company IP or intellectual property hidden. Everyone would know everything, including your competitors. And issues could quickly expand across the entire organisation without any form of protection or security in their place as well. So does a siloless world really sound good? I'm not so sure, but thinking about what makes a farm silo good, you know, they still have the structure, they still have the order, the visibility. So what you're really wanting in your company is actually some form of silos because there are some absolute benefits. You want to make sure that there is specialization and expertise that is owned and developed over time. You want to make sure that it's more productive to get really good at a range of tasks from an individual's perspective. And then you can both drive operational excellence as well as operational efficiencies within and across the organization. There's going to be less task switching, less downtime between different tasks as well. And you're going to allow people to work a little bit more in their comfort zone, which decreases the risk of burnout. You're going to be able to build close working relationships and ensure that you can develop some effective team working and collaboration abilities. And of course, by employing silos, you naturally get the added benefit of more protection and security of your intellectual property because not everyone understands or can visibly see every single minute detail. So you want silos, but how do you really want your organization to work? Well, I'm sure you've already worked it out, but you want a blend of both, right? You don't want siloless, but you don't want structured, rigid silos either. So how do you want your organization to work? 
Well, first and foremost, you want a clear understanding of what the company is and why it exists. You want a clear operating model, which should align with the company strategy and, of course, the understanding of the bigger picture as to why each part of the operating model exists. You want to be able to identify specific and important elements of specialization, as well as being able to group or divide into functional blocks with shared speciality and the importance of working closely together. You'll want a leadership hierarchy to allow effective management and coaching and support. And of course, you want to identify the different divisions and team handovers and different integrations. And more specifically, what are the exact requirements for that particular handover? So it does work. Everyone understands what that handover looks like, what's good, what's not good. Still thinking about how you want your organization to work. You want to be able to understand how everything fits together. Not necessarily everyone needs to understand how the whole machine works, but you want to have an appreciation that the other parts of the organizational machine are essential to a smooth running of the company. You want that appreciation of how different individuals and different teams and departments and divisions connect together and why you all need each other. You want some effective cross-functional working still, thinking back to that McKinsey study right at the beginning. So how should you do this then? It all sounds great, but how should you actually do it? What do you want to take away from this particular episode? Well, I've got four recommendations for you. The first is about having a clear purpose, a clearly defined corporate goal, which is inspiring, but also specific. And make sure it's clearly communicated within the whole organization with very little doubt of what it is and actually what it means, what it really means. And what I'm talking about is not some fluffy words here, but having a clear purpose as to why you do what you do. Why does the company exist? And that purpose needs to be led from the top, but understood all the way down through the organization. Because if that purpose is misunderstood at the base level, then it doesn't matter because no one really understands what they're trying to achieve. Secondly, you'll want to understand your operating model, especially with all the ongoing change in the market. And the operation may have changed since the organization was first set up as well. So it's worthwhile challenging whether the organization setup meets the operating model setup in the current format. Especially think about the changes driven by e-commerce, and by the digitalization of the world and how the internet has changed things, because that may well shift what it is you do and how you do it and how the operating model is set up. Thirdly, you'll want to make sure that you are measuring success effectively. I'm sure you've got some old KPIs, but are they still relevant? Do they match your operating model? Do they match your purpose? It may be that you need to redefine the measures of success from across the organization so that it's clear how you achieve success individually, but more importantly, as a company. If you think of a sports team, if you've got one star player that has an amazing game, but the team loses, is that success? Well, no, it's not, of course. So think about how the individuals can understand if they are being successful, but more importantly, how the company can understand if it is being successful. But then it's also critically important that that individual understands very clearly how what they do 
feeds into the wider company. So they must be able to understand how they play their part in the overall company success. And of course, you'll want to be monitoring progress and wins and opportunities to really help get that momentum going. So you want to make sure you've got a clear purpose, that you've got a clearly defined operating model and that you're measuring success effectively. And then the fourth item that I wanted you to think about is how you can foster better collaboration. Now, when I was researching this episode, I came across a really interesting article, which was all about how to get your leadership team or your exec team to work effectively together. And it was all about encouraging heated debates and arguments with a view of really uncovering the problem, making sure that everyone has a chance to voice their opinions, their perspectives, really with a view of finding the best solution for the overall company. And the whole theme here was let the debate get heated. Let it turn into an argument. Let the fists pound the desk. Let people get angry. Let people get emotional. And then for a moderator, for a leader to be able to control that debate, make sure that it is continuing to surface new perspectives. Make sure that everyone is playing a part in the discussion and keep that debate alive and going on and fully appreciative that it's going to be tiring. But until it's clear that there needs to be a decision made, that then everyone has understood the full spectrum of ideas and opinions and options. And once that decision is made, it's of course important that everyone realizes their view has been heard and whether they've proverbially won or lost the argument, they fall in line and support the solution, knowing that a victory this time might be a loss next time. And actually it's part of the team dynamics, part of the ways of working. It's not about a personal battle or conflict, but it's about a passionate debate of the facts. I thought it was a really interesting view and idea. And actually, I've put the link to that article on the show notes page, which you can find at obandco.uk slash 93. So that's certainly one way of fostering better collaboration. But also, you've got to be able to encourage cross-functional networking really with a view of developing what I'm calling organizational empathy an understanding of the wider organization and the different challenges that each part of the organizational goes through. Specifically, this is very important for the elements around your perspective. So if you put yourself in the shoes of an individual or a team within the company, you know where the different integrations, the different handovers lie. So those are the elements that we're talking about rather than the very far away team that you have no interaction with. You'll want to know how to support each other in times of crisis. You don't want an imbalanced effort between different teams or it will create animosity and conflict and all those bad elements of silos as we discussed earlier on. Think about how you can blend in cross-functional elements, perhaps in meetings or in team events, or even look at cross-functional experience days where Different members go and work and shadow, maybe not for a whole day, but for specific elements to understand how the different processes work. You may find opportunities to work better, to be more helpful to each other in that instance. Also encourage internal and external networking, as well as considering how you can take sideways moves in the organization to gain more breadth, gain a greater understanding, and of course, build up your own internal network as well. So those four points, defining your company's purpose, 
building the operating model that ultimately achieves that purpose, measuring success effectively, and then fostering better collaboration between teams. Now, at the start of the episode, I asked, what if silos are a good thing? What if we're aiming for this siloless world, which is actually dysfunctional or a dystopia? Now, I think on reflection, silos are a good thing. And if we did live in this world where there were no silos, it would actually be pretty chaotic and unproductive and just not work. But it's also important that the silos exist together and they are connected. You want silos to be able to divide the work into specific types for more specialization and expertise. You want to make sure that the silos can feed into each other in specific ways. And you want to make sure that the silos lean on and support each other as needed, particularly if one is absolutely full of grain or work and the other is not. And in that sense, you want to make sure that they can pick up slack when one area is under pressure or is fighting for resources or crisis management or whatever that looks like. Ultimately, you have to realize that the silos are all part of the same farm. And the farmer has no favorite grain store. The farmer needs every single silo to be fully functional and fully effective because that's what's important to keep the overall farm working effectively. So really, all silos win and lose with the farm. So perhaps this analogy is wearing a little thin, (laughs) but I hope you can see that there is actually a place for silos. We do not want to aim for a silo-less future. What you really want is better connected silos. You want silos that understand their place in the farm, but appreciate the other silos and their place in the farm too. So what are you going to do this week to make sure that You have silos in the farm, but that you are better connected between silos. How are you going to foster better collaboration? How are you going to measure success more effectively or to find the operating model or make sure that the clear company purpose is actually really understood? I'd love to hear your thoughts, your takeaways. As always, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Oliver Banks, or on Twitter at Ollie underscore Banks, O-L-L-I-E underscore banks or hey drop me an email oliver.banks at obandco.uk it would be great to hear from you and i'd love to bounce around some ideas show notes as i've mentioned are over at obandco.uk slash 93 and do remember to hit subscribe for new episodes coming out every single week thanks for tuning in and i'll catch you in the next episode bye for now